0: Hello, my name is Tom Boone.
1: And I'm Joanna Bailey.
0: Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week.
1: Coming up today, Italy prepares to say a river to Alitalia. I take a look at what we know so far, while Tom will talk about Kazakhstan's flag carrier Air Astana.
0: Joe will give us the rundown on Qantas' international restart plans, while I talk about whether British Airways may pull out of Gatwick.
1: Finally, I'll recap a couple of fabulous flyovers that took place last week.
0: So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And Joe, I just really want you to say that word again. So please start <laughs> telling us about Alitalia. Uh,
1: you want me to say Alitalia or a River <laughs>
0: A a, a river dirci. I've never heard of that before. What does it mean? Are
1: you kidding me? It's Italian for goodbye. Unless I've got that completely wrong. I think they also say ciao quite a lot, but that's like hello and goodbye. So yeah, let's go with the river dirci. But yes, so the news is that it's official. Alitalia is shutting down. I mean, we knew this anyway, um, Hmm. but it's all been officially announced and sales on flights have ceased. um, And it, it will stop flying, sadly, from the 14th of October. Um, Mm. Any flights beyond that date are cancelled and passengers are being encouraged to request either a refund or to move their travel to before the 14th. So anyone that's booked to fly on the 15th or later, they can either rebook their flights to fly before the 14th or, as I say, request a full refund. Um, Mm. But the good news is that Alitalia is being replaced with the brand new startup airline called Ita. Ita. Mm. I'm not sure if they want to be called Ita or Ita, but I'm going to call them I Ita. I would say
0: Ita because it's a bit like Italy. Yes,
1: <laughs> that's kind of what I thought as well. Um. So, I mean, it, the thing is, it's a wholly different airline. Although it's being kind hmm. of set up from the ashes of Alitalia, it's got its own AOC, so it's not possible just to transfer the booking across to this new airline. Um, but you it know, it can't
0: operate them on behalf of. Or? No,
1: it can't because Alitalia has got to close completely. So, okay. it's it's bye bye or a river as I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Ita is well on its way to flying. This uh, past week, it's added its first aircraft to its fleet. More important it's also received the green light from the Italian Civil Aviation Regulator ENAC Um, I'm not going to say the Italian words that that stands for because I'll just butcher them (laughs) Um, so they granted the airline its air traffic operating licence which means the path to beginning its operations is clear some Alitalia workers are expected to be hired by the new airline um, but they're not really sure how many at present Alitalia's workforce is enormous it's around 11,000 people And about Mm. 7,000 of those are on an expensive temporary furlough scheme. Um, So, back in July, Italy's industry ministry said they expected the airline to hire up to 2,950 of these workers in the first year. So, you know, there's jobs there for some people. And within five years, they're hoping to expand to about 5,000 people. But, you Mm. know, that's a long time to wait if you're one of those uh, 11,000 that was previously working for Alitalia. But
0: I mean, It's terrible for the employees, but it's a great way to sort of up your efficiency instantly.
1: Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think this is something that's come out of the pandemic for a lot of airlines mm. is they've managed to kind of slimline their operations in really horrible ways for the workers. But uh, anyway, enough on the human resources side. What we like to talk about is planes. Um, so mm. what they've added to the fleet so far is a single a three thirty two hundred. Um It's carrying the registration number EIEJN. And of course, it came from Alitalia. Oh, I was fleet. really hoping
0: it would be EIEIO.
1: <laughs> there is a plane with that registration. But I think it's a general aviation aircraft. I don't think it's a commercial one, sadly, because uh, I'd love to read that out on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was—it's a former Alitalia aircraft um, configured with 219 economy seats, 17 premium economy, and 20 business class seats. Um, it hasn't flown since July. Its last revenue fr- flight was from Tokyo, but it has been test flying for Ita—I um, guess—ahead of it securing its operating license. So mm-hmm. eventually, Ita will have. A fleet of 52 aircraft, which will include seven wide bodies. Um, And by 2025, it's hoping to break the 100 aircraft barrier. Um, So it's hoping to have about 105 by that point, which is about the same size Alitalia was before COVID, actually. Um, Mm. But it's a a lot smaller than it was at its biggest. You know, back in, I think, about 2004, Alitalia's fleet was like 170 aircraft. Um, But clearly things have kind of slimmed down and efficiency since then. Um, but, you know, in terms of the planes for Isha, we can expect that it will take its seven wide bodies from the pool of 10 A330s that are in Alitalia's fleet right now. Um, the narrow bodies will almost certainly be all A320 family jets. So, I hmm. reckon we're going to see Ita as an Airbus only operator going forward.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, it makes sense with some of the other, there's the general sort of theme a lot, across lots of the flag carriers in Europe.
1: Yeah, definitely. Or at
0: so least anyway, a short
1: haul. tell us what yeah. we need to know about Kazakhstan's Aerostana. <laughs> I know this is so, one of your favourite random little airlines, isn't it? it?
0: Yeah, it's it is definitely my favourite little airline. Um, they are obviously the Kazakhstan flag carrier, and I had the pleasure last week of sitting down and chatting with the airline CEO Peter Foster, and we covered so much stuff. I could talk probably the whole podcast about it, but I've picked out three stories that I want to talk about this week. Um, So the first one is that the airline is uh, giving serious thought to having a dedicated freighter aircraft. And this basically stems from the pandemic, because during the pandemic, you know, there was this sudden increase in demand for cargo and passenger planes weren't flying. So they took uh, one of their uh, Boeing 767s, their youngest 767, which is actually also the youngest passenger 767 there is. And they did what many operators were doing and took all the seats out so that You could have like a freighter, and um, I was uh, Peter. Basically, told me that for these fifteen months in its semi-freighter configuration, it operated close to three hundred cargo flights and performed extremely well. But they just need the uh, passenger aircraft back because they have such demand for a seven six seven sized aircraft. Um, So we were talking about whether you know there would be a place for a dedicated freighter in the fleet and. It's a bit of a, well, there won't there, you know, it's it's a very difficult question because based on right now, the answer is yes, they've been making really good use of the freighter. But the problem is, for the exact reason that they need to stop it being a freighter, we have to wonder whether there's going to be demand for freighters coming forward. Because with all these planes coming back into into the sky, there's loads more belly capacity. And it just means Uh, We're going to have a glut of uh, cargo capacity possibly, which would be sort of a bad thing for the airline. And obviously there's at least a year sort of turnaround time before such an aircraft would come into the fleet. Although... um, Perhaps in the future we could see such a thing because uh, the second thing we talked about was the sort of coming 787 Dreamliners and where that leaves the 767 because right now they've got a fleet of free free, uh, 767s and there's free 787 Dreamliners on order which are currently looking to be delivered around 2025 and that was another interesting topic because Peter told me that it would not be efficient to operate two fleets of free aircraft because there's no cross-qualifications of pilots. So you have to have a crew for the 767s and a crew for the 787s. And there's also no engineering synergies between the two. Um And by the time sort of 2025, when the 787s are coming in, the finance leases on these aircraft will have been, if they're not paid off, like almost paid off. So there's sort of no real financial need to keep the aircraft so that they keep paying for themselves. Um, What he did mention was that one of the options is to convert them uh, definitively to freighter aircraft. Oh, right. Um, but, I mean, the the problem with that option is we don't know what the freight market's going to look like in 2025. Um, we don't even know what it's going to look like in a couple of months, I guess. <laughs> no, true. Um, the other option would be selling the aircraft, um, but then they'd probably get converted to cargo aircraft anyway, um, just given the sort of whole 767 7 story right now. Um, and sort of the last topic that I really wanted to talk about right now is the A321XLR. Oh, right. Because the airline is a very big, uh, a very proud user of the LR. Mm. And um, they actually operate that on their longest route, which is um, from Kazakhstan to London. Um, and they've got a really nice for, uh, business class cabin in the front. So yeah, asked, fully
1: flat, isn't
0: it? Yeah, it's fully flat and um, it alternates. So you've got um, three you like those rows of seats, two, 2 but then in yeah. between them, you've got the one-one throne seats. Which Oh, they look lovely um, as well. Yeah, he mentioned that they're sort of almost uh, like first class. Um, (laughs) He wishes.
1: You need champagne and caviar to make it first class, I'm afraid. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I know, because I've never flown first class, (laughs) but that's what I'd expect at least.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, anyway, I sort of touched on the topic of the XLR saying, look, you know, the LR is great for you. What about the XLR? Um, and he told me that they have actually been looking at it, but, um, not because of the additional range that it has, because if you kind of look, it doesn't really need any additional range going West because then it's just going to end up in the Atlantic Ocean where it's going right now is, um, kind of happy. And the same sort of, um, goes around the rest of the route. So, um, the, it, the He said it's a really good progression from the LR and they're actively discussing it, but that's because they're looking for the advantages in terms of weight, which obviously is cost for the airline and its ability to carry more cargo. So, um, you know, no firm decisions made just yet, but just watch this space, I guess.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's some really interesting insight. And uh, how nice for you to catch up with Peter Foster because you've interviewed him <laughs> before, right?
0: Yeah, about 11 months ago. So it's it's interesting because right then we were really in the midst of the pandemic. But now mm. we've got right past it. And actually, you know, Aristana's had a really good um, first half to the year. They made a profit and he wow. was kind of mentioning the, the first half of the year is usually the worst half for Aristana. Yeah. So, you know, going forward, the second half should just be great.
1: Fantastic. Oh, well, best of luck to them. It's an airline Mm. that I'm keen to fly one day if I ever have a need to go to uh, Almaty or I might just have to go there anyway.
0: (laughs) I was looking earlier to see whether they did a Frankfurt to Dubai itinerary via um, (laughs) there. But um, it's interesting because they wouldn't sell a Frankfurt to Dubai itinerary, but they sell a Paris to Dubai itinerary, which involves a Lufthansa flight to Frankfurt and then (laughs) Aerostana to uh, Kazakhstan and then Dubai (laughs) Crazy. Mm. Craziness.
1: Oh, well, I hope we all get a go on it eventually. But uh, Mm. I wanted to talk a little bit about poor old Qantas because they've not had a very good 18 months at all. They've not really been able to fly anything, um, Mm. you know. And as expected, um, when they reported their 12-month results last week, it was an after-tax loss of an enormous amount, uh, specifically $1.24 billion dollars, So, you know, it was to be expected really. They haven't been allowed to fly anything at all. And despite this, Qantas is keenly looking ahead to a better future. So it was really good to hear such an upbeat attitude from Alan Joyce. Um for a start, the airline confirmed that five of its A three eighties will actually be returning to service ahead of schedule. Um yeah, so they're that's looking to great. Yeah, I know, Tom, you love it, that don't you? That should be
0: my story.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe I was getting to mention the A380 and you weren't. But I know. Uh, they, they're hoping to fly them between Sydney and Los Angeles from next July um, mm. and then between Sydney and London via Singapore from November. Um, so, they have confirmed that two of the 12 A380s will not return to service. Alan Joyce said that they were just surplus requirements. Um, but all of the rest of the 10 will be back in the air by 2024. Um, hmm. And any of the ones that haven't yet been refurbished will be refurbished by then. Um, so, we're going to see five by the end of next year and then the other five over the next 24 months. Um But, you know, Qantas is hoping to resume its international services really quite soon, um, as early as December, if everything goes well. Um, So initially, its international resumption will focus on nations with the highest vaccination rates. So we're talking like Japan, Singapore, Canada... And the UK. I think the
0: UK was on there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. We've done really well with the vaccine rollout. It's about the only bit of COVID we did get right. But uh, <laughs> so Australia's government has said that they will they will do a gradual reopening of international borders once the vaccination rates in their country reach the level of about eighty percent. And at the present rate, that's expected to happen by December. So fingers crossed, Qantas <clears> will be able to start flying internationally again in December, um, and that will hopefully include the non-stop route to London. However... Um, Qantas is considering changing its departure point to um, Darwin from Perth which caused a bit of a ruckus (laughs) last week um, because you know Perth has actually invested quite a lot of money in their um, facilities to you know for the the lounge and the you know dealing with all these international passengers Um, but the the problem is that Western Australia where Perth is has got some really restrictive border policies and they're likely to be all over it going forward. Darwin Mm -hmm. on the other hand in the Northern Territory has been more workable throughout the pandemic. And in fact, Qantas has already been using it as a landing point for its repatriation flights. So yeah. possibly Uh, Perth might lose that service which would be a real shame for them but uh, you know massive boon for Darwin definitely Um, but I think you know the main thing is we're really pleased that Qantas could be coming back to London pretty soon so just anywhere internationally (laughs) anywhere to Australia would be cool right now Um, Hmm. so as well as the news on the A380 and the direct London flights um, Alan Joyce has also confirmed that Project Sunrise is still on the table and this of course is Sydney direct to London and other European cities as well as to um Uh, JFK I think. JFK yeah Yeah. I was trying to remember which New York airport it was (laughs) of course it's JFK Um, and he has also confirmed that the A350 is definitely the aircraft of choice to operate it but he didn't give a timeline so I guess we'll have to wait and see.
0: Hmm. Well I think it's interesting because you know I think from a sort of load factor point of view that would probably be one of the last ones to come back if sort of it takes time for passengers to build. But then Mm. you've also got the argument of you're not having to do a... A transit transit stop. even though yeah. Yeah, even though it's just get off the plane and get back on you're still having to mix with people um, well this was in, one of say, the things Singapore he said
1: or... yeah exactly mm. he said he reckons those particularly those direct to London flights from either Perth or Darwin will be mm. super popular post-Covid because people don't want to transit in Singapore or wherever do they they mm. they just want to get on a plane and get where they're going without but any they still have to testing transit nonsense in Darwin
0: or Perth
1: yeah I think it's a bit easier when it's domestic you know if they're <laughs> yeah. coming from Sydney but Anyway, mm. we'll have to wait and see. Mm.
0: Well, sticking on London, I wanted to talk about my favourite British Airways. <laughs> um, and specifically, actually, not Heathrow where uh, Qantas goes, but London Gatwick, because this week there was a letter sent out to staff which was basically um, suggesting that they are or proposing to not resume short-haul flights from uh, London Gatwick after the pandemic. And Wow. It's... From my understanding, you know, at this point, it's very much an early stage proposal and it would need to be discussed with um, the British Airways Unions, which um, I won't go into, (laughs) but uh, we've seen interesting developments there previously. Um, (laughs) But this was a story that was sort of first spotted by our friends over at Head for Points. And... In this letter to staff, they basically said Gatwick was previously a very highly competitive market, but for us to run a sustainable airline in the current environment, we need a competitive operating model. We're proposing a new operating subsidiary to run alongside our existing long-haul Gatwick operation. This will help us be both agile and competitive, allowing us to build a sustainable short-haul presence. So, Mm. I mean, directly what I read into that is that what they're doing right now is too pricey um, to yeah. work well from um, Gatwick. And, you know, it's partly, I think, because they've got a huge sort of deficit from the pandemic that's got to be dealt with. Mm. Um, and I spoke to BA about it directly, and they said that they're working with unions for proposals of short haul at Gatwick, but they weren't prepared to comment any further. And um, so I did have a little chat with our friends over at Head for Points because they are really the guys who would know about this and yeah. they suggested that it's unlikely that another IAG airline such as Whaling or Level would come in oh, really? um, but rather that we would maybe see a subsidiary like how you've got BA City flyer at um, City maybe you'd have BA Gatwick flyer um, <laughs> you know from Gatwick or they also um, suggested maybe that BA it was go pos- first
1: again, or what was it called? Yeah, go, no. yeah. Go
0: needs to come back. I, I remember <laughs> go from my very early days of flying.
1: Yeah, go just but, went really, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, go went.
0: Uh, someone said go, and it went. Um, yeah, but um, they also suggested that it's possible that maybe there would be a subfleet of crew with lower fixed costs, but that this is would be a sort of messy and um, yeah unpopular. Solution. So, I mean, it's definitely, I guess, a wait and see um, because, as I say, it's a proposal, and it still sounds like very early days proposal. So, Mm.
1: yeah, interesting though, and uh, Mm. it's it wouldn't be the first airline to try and do the the kind of subsidiary with worse rates of pay and and worse conditions, would it? You know, Mm. uh, but it will kick up a stink with the unions, so we'll have to wait and see if they can do it. Yeah. (laughs) So I wanted to close today's podcast with uh, just talking about um, a couple of things that are probably the next best thing to actually being on a plane, which is looking at a plane when it's flying quite low. Um, Mm. Yeah, I can't get on a plane at the moment. I'm supposed to be in the next week or two though, but uh, I will tell you about that next podcast. You and me both. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If all things go to plan, fingers crossed. But uh, Mm. so. Um, the first flyover that we experienced this week, or virtually experienced, was Boeing's uh, with its uh, 777X. Um, now, Boeing sponsors quite a big golf tournament called the Boeing Classic um, over in the US. And it, mm. at the end of the golf tournament, it performed a spectacular flyover with WH001, um, which was Boeing's very first 777-9. And it mm. did a, a figure of eight in the skies above the course, which is meant to sort of represent the eight customers of the 777 and X and they all had their logos down the side of the plane as well which was Mm. pretty cool Um, and there was another cool thing about this plane you know apart from the fact it was the first one to roll off the production line um, Mm. but specifically for the event it had a special decal on its belly which with the word stronger together um, and apparently this was to represent all the efforts made by the global community to tackle COVID-19. So really the plane should have opened the event this is the tradition at the Boeing Classic is there's a big flyover on day one to open the event. But the weather was awful on day one, so they couldn't do it. So instead, mm. they waited until the very final part of the event um, and then did the flyover as, as sort of a close to the event. But uh, it was pretty cool. There's there's a nice video of it. I wish I'd been there. Um, but somewhere mm. I really wish I was, was in Kiev last week, because there were thousands of soldiers, literally dozens of tanks, missile transporters. And the whole there was this whole parade through the city centre. The time it took from the first person marching past the president to the last person was over three hours. That's how big this parade was. It was huge. Um, So it was a big celebration to mark the 30th anniversary of independence for the country. Um, But the highlight for us, of course, was some of our favorite Ukrainian aircraft in something of a star-studded flyover. Um, So there were lots of military aircraft and civil aircraft. The highlight for me definitely was the world's largest plane, the Antonov Um, AN-225. She came roaring across, piloted by our favourite Antonov Airlines pilot, Dmitry Antonov, um, <laughs> who has an awesome YouTube channel, by the way, if you haven't checked it mm. out yet. Um, but there were some other really interesting um, Ukrainian aircraft as well. There was a pair of AN-26 turboprops. Um, these haven't been built since 1986, but despite being really old, a lot of them are still used around the, the world in military roles. And in fact, mm. the Ukrainian Air Force still has 22 in its fleet. So, you know, not such a rare aircraft not over Yeah. Yeah. And there was also um, an aircraft called an AN-32, but it was a specific type, an AN-32P fire killer. How cool is that name? And as okay. you might expect it's, a, it's it like a... Does it fires or does yeah, it kill with fire? <laughs> that would be cooler actually. <laughs> but no, it's a, it's a um, water bomber as you might expect. Hmm. It's for putting out fires, not for putting things on fire. Um, hmm. And it was there representing the Ukrainian emergency services. Um, nice. And there was also a huge AN-70 which is a, a medium-ranged four-engine aircraft. Um, and it was the first aircraft in the world to take flight powered only by prop fan engines so uh, pretty cool okay. to see that as well and there were a bunch of smaller military aircraft like the mig-29s the Aleutian il-76 su-25s and loads of those weird ones with the things that go round on top that i will never get in in my life you know what do they call them Exactly. Rotary aircraft, not for me, I'm afraid. (laughs) (laughs) But it was quite the spectacle. And, uh, you know, if you want to check it out, we've got the full three-hour video on our site, which uh, you can sit and enjoy with uh, several cups of tea.
0: (laughs) I think you'd need more than several if it's three hours.
1: (laughs) Definitely. Maybe a few bottles of wine instead. (laughs) Or a pint. (laughs) I think that's uh, about all we've got time for on today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And as usual, welcome your feedback
0: at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying.
1: If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening.
0: Bye.